As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Elite Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Tuesday morning here in the DMV and, uh, for you guys, it may not be, feel this way, but I'm going to call this essentially a bonus episode of the podcast this week. I had a plan uh, that I wanted to uh, that I was going to go with this week. Started on Monday with our conversation with analytics insider Ben Baldwin uh, about various commanders topics, and got a couple other things lined up. But as many of you know, on Mondays I typically go on. Well, not typically. I always go on the radio with Kevin Sheehan over at the Team 980. But Monday being a holiday, the Kevin was not doing the radio show, and he informed me of that on Monday. And I was like, well, since, you know, I got to get my my fix of, of Kevin, why don't you come on my podcast? So we did, and we spoke yesterday uh, at some length, uh, kind of all over the place, not purely a commander's podcast, more of a general conversation about the state of, of sports, uh, was off the heels of the NBA All-Star Game, why that is no longer working, and in the context of, you know, kind of where we are with uh, certain aspects of fandom and sports and what, what are some of the issues. And we also got into, of course, various commanders' topics, uh, you know, w- with regards to, you know, everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, free agency to come up. That's all towards the, the end of, or towards the back half of, the conversation. So look, it's always fun listening to Kevin Sheehan. Uh, so I'm sure you guys will enjoy this conversation uh, with him. Uh, we'll get to it in a moment here on the podcast. You can find Standard Room Only Podcast, you know where, iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit the like button if you have a moment to leave a nice comment and uh, a rating, a positive rating. That is awesome as well. Meanwhile, of course, make sure you check out The Athletic. Uh, I am going to, I'm basically kind of starting, I guess, a, a series here on what what are some of the options at number two. Uh, the first one up will be looking at Drake May and Jaden Daniels, but not, this is not a football deep dive. This is getting to talk to people who, who played with them, coached them, know them, and get a feel for know a little bit about what made them tick what made what makes them such an interesting prospect uh that should be up on wednesday 
And then I will follow up with other angles about the Commanders at number two in the coming days. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, I, I don't want to really linger here too much on in, in the intro. Um, I will say I forgot to mention the other day, but... You know, there's been this talk about how did Cliff Kingsbury end up with the Commanders after it seemed like he was going to the Raiders. Uh, Antonio Pierce, the Raiders' new head coach. Um, I'm blanking on which podcast it was. Was it the one with Ryan Clark? Ooh, I should know this. But in any event, you can find it online. But he basically said, as was discussed, that Magic Johnson uh, got is persuasive, I guess you could say, and got involved in that led in part to Kingsbury coming. I would just say that that may be true to an extent, but ultimately I'm sure the commanders were offering just better terms of their deal than um, than, than the Raiders. Uh, interestingly enough, we, we talk about how the Cliff Kingsbury relationship with Caleb Williams, having spent the year together at USC, you know, what does that mean for Washington? Well, interestingly, the Raiders, who I believe have the eighth pick, they just hired a new QB coach who has been Caleb Williams's uh, QB per, personal QB coach this offseason. So another interesting wrinkle there. Should any of that matter, that would presumably be more about making that Godfather offer to the Bears, obviously, than anything with Washington. But the, the Raiders clearly needed a quarterback. We'll see. I, again, I'm assuming Caleb Williams stays at one, but just another interesting wrinkle. If we're going to pay attention to Kingsbury's connection to Williams, we need to focus on other ones as well. Uh, Washington, um, I, I will say, uh, they also did one more thing today that, with their staff. They announced the hiring of a new assistant special teams coach. Uh, his name, John Glenn. Blast off with your jokes there if you would like. Uh, he was the linebackers coach with Seattle, had been there uh, for several years in different roles and going back to when Dan Quinn was there as D.C. So presumably that's where that relationship comes from. My point of bringing this up is not to get you hyped for the assistant special teams coach. It's to say that in the press release about the hire, it was announced that Washington has officially finalized their coaching staff. So that presumably is going to be it. And, uh, you know, no, no more uh, wondering if there's going to be anybody else coming on board, we would imagine. So take that for what it's worth. I still was wondering if they would add another running backs coach, considering Anthony Lynn has the uh, running game coordinator title. But and also, you know, because of his status has been has having been an OC and a head coach. I didn't know if running back coach was a little bit too low for him. But, you know, it's 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 all, I guess, in in. in uh, in conjunction with one another, being the, the RB coach as well as that. But, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure they will have other people uh, on staff to help when when needed. All right. So let's get uh, let's get to this. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll jump in my conversation with Kevin Sheehan, of course, host of the Team 980 from 10 to 1, Monday to Friday. And he delivers the great Kevin Sheehan podcast all the time. Uh Always enjoy listening to that and appreciate when he has me on there as well. So here we go. My conversation with Kevin Sheehan here on the Stand to Groom Only podcast. All right. So I'm talking to you guys on Monday morning and I find out earlier this morning that my usual Monday uh, hit on the Kevin Sheehan radio show wasn't going to happen because it's 
apparently it's a holiday. I don't know. I don't. I don't ever pay attention <laughs> to what holidays are anymore because I don't. I don't get any, or I get them, but I don't use them anyway. So when I found this out, I was like, "Hey, well, why don't we do a reverse?" So here we are. Kevin Sheehan is on with me today. Uh, we, I, I, this is impromptu. We're gonna figure this out. Um, what we're gonna discuss? You, you know what, Kevin? I wanted to discuss though. Now that I'm out of this commander's cocoon, I can like pay attention to like other things like uh not like I wasn't watching TV or sports before but like I can do it like in a more casual way like this weekend I just watched the PGA Tour and I watched some of the NBA All-Star Weekend and I watched did you watch Night Country? No, what's up? Uh HBO it's the new True Detective series on HBO. Oh, I I with Jodie Foster. Yeah. Yeah, I've not watched any of it yet. Are you going to? It's on my list, um, but I am knee deep into Fargo right now. Oh, okay. The TV series, and I'm like at the beginning. I'm 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 on season three. Anybody that's a Fargo fan, I'd never watched it before. Everybody, all of my friends, had said this is must watch. It is awesome. It's so good. Um, I, I it's funny. I've been meaning to. So, wait, but I like I know that each season of Fargo is not. There's no connection. It's sort of like True Detective, essentially, in that yeah. regard. But like, so is is which is season three the best season, or are you well, going in order? Season one and season two are incredible. Um, season three, so far through three episodes, is really really good too. It's right. excellent. I, I I actually just canceled Hulu. Um, because oh, you I just, did? Well, I just because I have too many subscriptions, but I have it through. I think the end of the month and. Uh, Fargo was one of the things I was like, okay, I'd, maybe I need to binge some of this really quickly before I uh, before I get going. So Tommy tells me, I think Tommy's told me this. I don't always listen to what Tom tells me. Um, he told me that season four with Chris Rock on it is really good. But the first season, anybody that's watched Fargo with Billy Bob Thornton and with Martin Freeman, who was, you know, in the original office, actually the BBC version of the office. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen Billy Bob Thornton do. And that's saying a lot. He was so good in this. And then season two had Kirsten Dunst. She was great. She was so good. Ted Danson was good. Um, Todd from Breaking Bad. Uh, what's his name in real life again? Um... He was excellent. Yeah. Um, and then this season three has uh, Owen McGregor and that, um, oh God, she's, she's a smoke show. Um, she plays uh, this parolee. She's really good. Mary um, Winstead. Oh, Mary. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She's really good. Je- Jesse Plemons was uh, Todd Jesse in Breaking Bad. Jesse Plemons was Todd. Yeah, in Breaking Bad. He, yeah. he, he's actually married to Kristen Dunst, Kirsten Dunst, I believe. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, keep it in the family. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that, that's on my list. Uh, I, I I need I need to talk to more people about Night Country. I'll just say that um, I kept waiting for something to happen that just didn't for me, and I I feel like it's very an incredibly polarizing show. Um, I'm Jodie Foster is really good, and if you like sort of that dark true detective vibe, it gives yeah. you that with a little supernatural 
deal in this one, but uh, eh, I don't know. I, 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 I've i turned it on. I mean, it's it's not over yet, right? It just it? ended last night. It was only six oh, episodes. Oh, it ended last night. So how many episodes? Six. Six episodes. Yeah, I, I flipped it on a couple times. I'm like, I, I don't want to. I, I got to go back and watch it from the beginning. I mean, to me, True Detective season one was just, you know, all time great. True Detective was such a weird show in that the seat, the first season was really good in part because like to see McConaughey on a television show with Woody Harrelson and yeah, um, like that was fascinating. And obviously that was a huge year for McConaughey's career, but you know, the ending was kind of, I don't know, didn't do a ton for me. And then season two was terrible. I liked season three, but like, it's a weird, it's like, I, there's almost never, it's almost like I, I, I like, or I get drawn in by the uh by the tease, by the perception, by what I think is gonna happen, and then it doesn't quite ever deliver. And I I'm somebody that watched Lost for six for all the whole time and loved it, but the ending was a little eh. uh well, what endings it, of great series did you love? Uh well, I mean, does like New Heart count? <laughs> no. I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, things that people have binged in in. Recent I mean, years. I thought Breaking Bad was excellent. excellent. Um, you know, I, I basically I thought all the break. You know, I thought Better Call Saul was really good. I thought all those yeah. were, were 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 good. Um, like The Sopranos was fine, but the I mean, I know that the the, the fade to black was, or cut to black was, jarring and odd. But in general, like that, I was generally okay with it, other than that. Uh, I think it's when you wind up these big mysteries and then what's the payoff? If it's just a drama, like life goes on, but if it's a big mystery, you better be delivering me something. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like this. I think you're probably right that it seems like just of the shows that I have really been into. um, And I would call my favorite shows of all time. I think the, the endings have been very controversial. Certainly the Sopranos, certainly game of Thrones, which I was actually very sort of, in opposite, I thought Game of Thrones, the final season, was much better than most Game of Thrones fans thought it was. Breaking Bad's the one that totally delivered for me right through the end. Um, to me, that's my favorite drama of all time, or however you want to classify it. Yeah, for me, it would be, it's it's like 1 and 1A, one but I'm not even sure which is 1 and 1A one with Game of Thrones. Those would be the two for me. The Sopranos is all-time great, but I actually would probably put that a little bit below those two but in terms of dramas yeah yeah you and i both love certain comedy series that have you know um but well, in I terms pret- of the- yeah i pretend the office stopped after steve carell left that the the, the, the final few seasons were just terrible i i can't no, even watch them the robert california seasons incredibly underrated Ugh. james spader was great on that show I it, thought he was. I, you might be. It's like whenever, like, a, if it's, uh, if I'm flipping through the channels, which I know nobody under 20 or 20 or 30 does anymore, but if I'm flipping through the channels, I see like an office rerun. I will, all right, let me see which one this is. And if it's anything above, I don't know what that is, season seven or eight, I, it's an automatic. I might even block it. I, it's like an automatic pass. I think, I think you should, I think you should revisit season eight because Spader's really good. Um, but you're right. It got kind of, it kind of slowed in the final year for sure. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so like I, I, you know, getting to watch some of these things um has been. I mean, again, not that I'm saying I was like not watching stuff, but like to do it in like a, a little more relaxed way is good. And including, including sports and 
you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to follow what's going to be, I'm sure, on every uh, first take radio show, whatever today about the NBA um, All Star Weekend. I, I did watch Saturday. Did you watch any of it? I watched um, the highlights of Mac McClung. I mean, <laughs> dude is just a sick athlete. I mean, he really is a sick athlete. He's really creative. I haven't watched All-Star Saturday Night, like, start to finish, or even significant parts of it in years. I watched the Inescu steph Curry thing yeah. um, highlight on highlights. That was great, but I didn't really know. I actually ended up watching. I had no intention of watching the game last night. My son's like, let's just turn it on at the beginning. And then it, when when – when Dame Lillard pulled up from half court and knocked down the first of half court shots, apparently he had two half court shots. And then the score was, I was like, has anybody ever scored 200? I said that in the first quarter. I'm like, this is the intrigue for me. I didn't stick with it exclusively, but I don't know if anybody's expecting a competition in any of these all-star games now, like that's so, you know, 25 years ago like it, it has a it's an exhibition of skill and athleticism it's not an actual competition and they're never that horse has left the barn they're never going to get these players to actually compete in these games so i went back and looked this up last night i didn't watch any of the game uh partly because i figured what was going to happen was going to happen not the 200 points but just that yeah. it would be you know negative defense um i did watch most of the Saturday, just because I was home and it was on, and you know, but you know, generally fun. The dunk contest is embarrassing because nobody, um, you know, nobody's even really bothered to participate as much as people were rooting against sort of Jalen Brown, feeling he was getting like some his scores were getting goosed. At least he showed up. I'll give him that. Unlike everybody else who who was well, like Matt a, McClung's not even in the NBA, right? Yeah, no, n- neither is the player. neither is Toppin's brother. Yeah, so. Um, and I think there is some. I think there is a tie there between the dunk contest and the All Star game, and that is these guys are afraid to get embarrassed. They are afraid to become a meme. They're afraid to become the social media punch punchline for the day, the week, what have you. And they they won't engage in ways that this was obviously there was no social media back in the you know the the the, the bird magic. Uh, Jordan, you know, even in the early, you know, early Kobe stuff, that none of these things were a deal. But I looked it up, like even like with Kobe still playing, so it wasn't that long ago. The scores were not outrageous. The scores were actually somewhat in line with what we see today in real NBA games. It's been the last like six or seven years where the scores have just escalated to ridiculous degrees. And I think that these things here. Here's my hot take. I think these things are connected meaning the dunk contest and the all-star game because of what I just said. And there's a lot of factors, but I'm going to throw out a hot take factor. I I think in both cases, I think LeBron is to blame. I I think LeBron, his entire career since he did the decision has been about being essentially afraid to go it alone. He joins the heat and then he goes to the Cavs in ways like I get it. We we now see all the time it's happening. You know, since then it happens all the time. These, these super teams joining, but he he did it, and we all you know, went off to relitigate the decision. But it was about feeling like he couldn't he couldn't go it alone. And I don't mean competitively; I mean like emotionally, spiritually. 
he kept doing that over and over again, and he's done that since. And then he was the one in the dunk contest. You know, he's never done one. You know, he was supposed to do it in 2010. He said he was. Then he, I don't know, whatever, he bailed or something. Um, you, know, you can go look on the YouTube right now. Jordan's all over the place on the dunk contest and, and Dominique. And, you know, that wasn't a bird magic thing. I, I think that LeBron has, and it's probably unfair, of course, to, to completely throw it on one person. But he is the king of the league. He is the bridge from the old school to the now. Like, I don't blame Anthony Edwards, per se, because he's following what the people before him did. The people before him were like basically LeBron James. And I think that something about his attitude has really, um, whether it was intentional or not, the message has been received. Don't don't put yourself out there to get embarrassed. And I think that this is the problem, and I don't know how they fix it. How embarrassed can you really get in an all-star game, though? Well, if are somebody you, goes up and dunks on you. The, the dunk contest and the three-point shooting? Um, I, I mean, I agree with you on LeBron's kind of, you know, positioning himself over and over again to um although you know i say that and there he was in cleveland with you know the, the likes of you know della vadova and you know um the, the, that t- i still think one of the, the the greatest lebron seasons was the season where they lost to the warriors in six the first year that they played the warriors in six and it was truly a one person team that, well, wait, he, had, he had Kyrie, he had Kevin Love. These guys were, you know, Olympians and no, all stars and all. No, they they got hurt in that series. They, they got well, hurt I mean, but I mean, but that yeah, was I'm the talking about the performance yeah, specifically I, in the finals. I got you. With Timothy Mozgov and yeah, Della yeah. Vadova and James Jones and you know whoever else was. Le, on that Le, team. LeBron has been the type of player that can raise the level of the sort of normal guys because of the way he his his, his passing. Um, but, you know, obviously you can have a lot of confidence, I would think, playing with LeBron James. So, yeah, I, I you know, no, no knocking the the the, the talent uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I am I don't know what they're going to do with it. But you know what? Honestly, they don't need to do anything with it. If you don't want to watch, don't watch. They're, they want to take this break in the middle of the season anyway, or as you approach, you know, the, the final 30 or so games of the season. Um, what's the big deal if people hate it and don't watch it? I mean, we haven't had a real all-star game in 10 years. You're saying back to Kobe that they actually competed. I mean, I'm look, I'm pulled up, you know, I pulled up the scores as if that's, you know, somewhat of an indication. 2008 was 134 to 128. I mean, that's actually a reasonable all-star game. 2005 was 125 to 115. So you're talking about, you know, 240 points versus the three and nearly 400 points scored last night that's crazy the last night's game um yeah, yeah i mean I the know. last I don't time know when it changed i'm glad it's back to a, a basketball game east versus west versus those end of quarters and start over it was too confusing but i'm, I'm not a big audience for this anymore anyway although i will tell you that i do remember the Iceman winning the MVP. I'm pretty sure he won the MVP at the Capitol Center's All-Star Game in 19... I gotta look this up. Was it 82? 1980. 1980. Capitol Center. We've had the All-Star Game twice, right? The Capitol well, you know, Center in 1980 and the MCI Center was like 2002? Yeah, well, you know, what the one of the greatest moments... One of the greatest moments in civilization happened when they came back, when they played the 2000, what'd you say, 2001 game? Yeah, 2001. 
one of the greatest moments in 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 uh, civilization was when Mariah Carey went out in the Michael Jordan jersey, but made it into a dress, and she sings her song, you know, "Hero," and he starts to well up. Uh, boy, uh, look, you you want to you want to tell me who's a who, who's 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 a hotter woman at any point than that? Go ahead, and then that she's doing it in a wizard's jersey is absolutely hilarious and so amazing that it, it ranks as one of the all time great moments. Do you know of who won the MVP? Of that All Star Game, MCI Center, two thousand one. Ooh, I don't remember off the top of my head now. Who? Allen Iverson. Oh well, that's an a perfect. And, uh... and and just you know, he had twenty five points. Like that was it. Last night, you had a fifty point score on the losing team. Right. He. Did you see how many shots Carl Anthony Towns took to get the fifty? Uh, it was like was it thirty five? Thirty five shots. Yeah. Like it, I mean, obviously it's a I sucker look at the game. Box score that game. I, I don't know what happened, so I don't know. Maybe everybody else, like, went away, and they just said, here, go shoot. But that was uh, insane. But um, to, to just to go back to the uh, to the game itself, I'm with you. Like, it, look, if the ki- I, I tweeted out last night. It's not for me. If it's for, if the kids like it, then really, that's, that's what they're catering to. But my colleague, David Aldridge, this is what he tweeted last night. That was dreadful. Again, I am beginning to think this game is irredeemable. I'm not sure why even minimal defense effort is beyond this generation of all-stars, but it may be time to end this game if they can't give more of a damn than that. And your guy, Scott Van Pelt, I don't have it in front of me, but he basically tweeted, if you don't care, neither do we. And I, I, I agree with all that, but I also think this is part of, like the NBA has some bigger struggles right now. I am, at, um, I don't know if you, uh, you ever listened to Bill Simmons? No. Okay, so he had this guy. Do you know who Derek Thompson is? I mean, I listen to my guy Joe House, but I don't listen to Bill. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know who Derek Thompson is. He's a writer for the Atlantic. He's actually from DC, and he has a podcast on Bill Simmons' as a Ringer Network. Anyway, he had Simmons had him on this week, and they were discussing. He's like a guy who's like really big into like what's coming down the road in the future for all these different topics, science and social media, whatever. And when he got to sports, he discussed how basically for him, he realizes he consumes a ton of podcasts about the NBA and watches almost none of nothing of the sport until they get into the playoffs. And that's pretty much kind of where I am at this moment. And I think the NBA has a real, has a real problem. If somehow like this was the TV show, the leftovers and the 2% of the population that got zapped up included Steph Curry, LeBron and Durant. I don't know that anybody would even, I don't know. There would be much ratings at all. Cause you can tell me all you want about the skill of all this younger generation, they are not compelling in the even remotely in the same way. Whether that's the that we don't have much of an origin story with them because nobody plays college anymore, or at least not more than a year, or there's it's the AAU effect where they come in with sort of you know it's not the way you know it's not the fundamental basketball that we want. It's just purely explosive stuff, and there's none of the team uh, kind of vibes or their personalities. They've already become so famous at a young age that they no longer feel that they need to, uh, that they've already kind of made it. This is what I think would happen with Chase Young to a degree. But the NBA, I do think, is in legit trouble. Plus, the fact that so many of the, the, the main players, or the best players, I should say, are all international, which is not a knock. It's to say they're not American, and that's going to detract from the audience to some degree, no matter what anybody wants to admit it or not. Um, I, I, I just think this, to me, this weekend was sort of an emblematic of where the NBA is struggling right now. And uh, I don't know what they do about it, but I, I do think it's a legit problem. Well, I mean, the guy that you mentioned saying he consumes all of these podcasts, but doesn't watch games until the playoffs. I mean, people have been saying now for years, me included, the best part of the NBA during the regular season is the TNT pregame, halftime, and postgame show. 
you know, to watch Ernie, Kenny, Shaq, and, and Barkley. That's an entertaining show about the NBA. But it's like when the game comes on, it's like you want more of them. Um, I have found myself for many years not really a consumer of the NBA's regular season. But I've always been a big fan of the NBA and the NBA playoffs, which I think is still a great product. And it's a completely different game. In the same way, by the way, I think hockey fans might admit that the NHL playoffs, it's like a completely different product and a different sport in the way it's played, too. But God, man, I, in the last year or two, I've watched more NBA regular season than I have even college basketball season. And for me, that's a big, big difference from my consumer um, sort of habits in the past. And the reason is simple. It's just like, it's like a varsity, you know, level talent and, and game versus not freshman or JV. It's like versus seventh grade. I mean, the college game and the quality of the college game is so awful and NIL and transfer portal are making it even worse and even harder to follow. I personally, I wonder whether or not the, the, the percentage of, of, of international players in the NBA have any effect on whether or not people watch it. It doesn't with me at all. Um, But it's not, the games are, are still just much different, but God, man, I don't think the shot making and the shooting and the passing, I don't think we've ever seen the game played at a higher level from that standpoint. I, I wouldn't argue with really that. Know, you don't really know for sure what it means until they start playing to win and they play hard and everybody's playing and available for as many minutes as it takes. And you don't get that until the postseason. But um, I don't. Last night means nothing to me. It's just, I don't, I'm sure it's a big conversation centerpiece today, but it's like, don't watch it then. It's not, it's not a game. It's not a competition. It's an exhibition. And if you view it from that sense, who cares? And by the way, I think, I think you mentioned the LeBron effect and others. I think load management um, has a lot to do with what we've seen in these games. Nobody wants to exert themselves and get themselves hurt in this kind of a game and they don't, I mean, there's literally no defense. It is a take it off the rim or take it out of the net. And then, you know, what are we going to do? That's going to entertain people the most on offense. Is it going to be a three from half court? Is it going to be, you know, a lob towards the rim for a, you know, a reverse dunk? Who knows? No, no, for sure. I mean, look, you, uh, at a very base, I agree with you on the skill set. I mean, like, let's even in the three point shooting contests, that's sick. Everybody was making, like, the worst person would have probably advanced to the finals or semifinals in other years or, or close enough, right? Um, you know, uh, it, it is, it is the, the, the skill set is, I mean, it's not, and it's also they're not just shooting threes, they're shooting it from like five to 10 feet behind the line. Well, it's, that's what's changed the game. They, that's where, you know, I've, I've talked about this for years is that Steph Curry actually changed the game. It wasn't the increase in three point attempts. It was the distance in which he started to shoot them without any coach pushing back that changed the geometry of the floor. You now had to guard out to 30, 35 feet. And then other players like Lillard and others 
and it's changed. It's made the game so much harder to defend because you got to defend more space. And um, that's when, like, when I hear, you know, like my good friend Tommy, who will say, you know, the game's much worse. The game's, whether it's worse or better, is subjective. The game is definitely different. That's not subjective. It's played completely differently because you you get three for a three-point shot, but now you have players that have extended the floor so much that's created so much more space behind it or in front of it. Um, and it's just so much harder to defend. I think if they want to get... Uh, um, I think the thing that would change the game back to something that you'd see 125 to 121 more normally than you see 145 to 141 is the hand check rule. Because once they did away with that in 2005 or whatever year that was, it created a more free flowing game. And then what came around at the same time was the emphasis on, on the three and then Curry stretched it out to where you literally had to pick him up once he crossed the timeline. And right. the same with Clay, and the same with so many other players. It is amazing that a jump shot is taken from 42 feet, whereas 15, 20 years ago, that was just a heave of a shot. It was a chuck, yeah. like we're chucking it towards the rim at the end of the quarter. So you now would be benched. The normal flow of, of, of a fast break or offense, and you get guys that rise up and shoot a normal jump shot. So there is strength, there's skill. But there's a, a strength related to that that's much different than, you know, you used to get too. Everybody said, well, Maravich would have had that. Or, you know, the one guy from way back in the day, I think Isaiah would have had that kind of range. A guy like Mark Price would yeah. have had that kind of range. Um, you know, Chris Reggie, Jackson. I'm sorry? Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Chris Jackson. Uh, you know, obviously um, – uh, you know, uh, guys like Reggie Miller and Larry Bird as well. But, um, but yeah. And also, like, uh, you know, because uh, not to get into Kenny Smith territory here, he was absolutely off the rocker with <laughs> his commentary all night. But, um, you know, this the Sabrina Ionescu going against Curry, she shot from the NBA line. And, you know, I know some people who were like, oh, I hope they don't, she doesn't get embarrassed shooting from there. I'm like, are you serious? Like, they, they shoot from back there. Caitlin Clark is shooting from 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 the logos. Yeah, she's like, changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not. This is not your. Uh, what did Kenny Smith? Why did you? You just took a, a shot at Kenny Smith. What did he say? Oh, you clearly haven't listened to, or you didn't watch social media, or listen to anything today. Um, he was. I don't know what was wrong with him last night. He said a bunch of things that were insane, but the one that got the most intention was when it ended when the Curry. He and Reggie Miller are having weird back and forth as they 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 were both on the on the uh, broadcast, not the pre and post. Um, he was saying that she should have shot from the WNBA line, even though she took Steph Curry to the buzzer. Steph needed to make his last like few shots to to win, and right. it became this whole thing about like why are you sort of you know pissing on this moment where she did really well? It was a fun competition. Independent. I mean, she what scored was as his many reasoning for for her shooting from the WNBA line. Uh, just, just because that's where she shoots from. And then Kenny, then, then Reggie made some comment, like, what do you want to do? Go play with dolls. <laughs> like it became this, it just kind of went off the rails. And basically people were like crapping on Kenny because he sort of like ruined the moment. Um, He, he, again, it wasn't for me. It was, it was that, but he said a bunch of other completely random things that made no sense. I, I, I don't, I don't know what was, <laughs> I don't know what was going on with him last night. Um, All right. As a, 
you know, you're always good about knowing your audience and like staying on topic. I just went 20 minutes here talking about NBA on a commander's podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get yelled at for that, but you're here. People like to hear from you. Um, but, but that's one thing about the NFL though, right? The pure nature of the NFL doesn't allow for the stuff that we are talking about, because if you are unwilling to compete, you are going to get your, your, your head knocked off. You, if you're going to, you know, whatever position you're playing, you are about to get into a, tr- a car wreck multiple times a game. If not, uh every play if you're like a, if you're like a lineman you have got to stay focused and i think that's like you know we're, we're here we're heading into free agency it's going to be fascinating to see what chase young gets um from anybody but like you know i thought that was one of the like to me he was more of he had more of like an nba mentality in that he seemed to think he had he had made it but didn't always put forth the effort to um to, to not just on the field but off the field too right. to, to 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 improve to get better um, because I think in the NFL, obviously, as we know, it's much more of an anonymous player league. Only the quarterbacks and a handful of other guys really break through, um, you know, from a popular culture perspective. But Chase is one of those guys to to a degree, at least. And um, but he did it without based on nothing he did in the pros. But in the but, but the larger point with the NFL is, you know, you've got to show up like you can't if if you are, you know, half assing it. Uh, you know, as an individual player, you know, you're going to get not just benched, you're just going to get hurt. And that's why I don't think it's just not, you're not going to say, I mean, you can't do the pro bowl anymore because that is too dangerous. I agree with that. But in terms of the game, you just don't see that mentality the way you do. I think. Well, I mean, they're, they're just, there are two massive differences between the NFL and the NBA. The biggest being 82 games versus 16, every game or 17, every game matters. And then, You've got these massive, much larger, fully guaranteed contracts versus, for the most part, for most players, smaller and less guaranteed. But I think just the nature of, um, you know, the baseball, hockey, and the NBA that play all of these games, and by 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 nature of that, a lot of these games just don't really carry the weight. Whereas every one of the seventeen is so big, and it's this rhythm that you get into of once a week and Sundays and Mondays. And it's just big. I mean, not, I mean, I, I remember, um, I remember years ago suggesting, I think I was doing the show with Rigo. He loved this idea. I go, maybe what the NBA should do is they should basically go to like a 30 game regular season schedule. And, and then, I go, I understand that you wouldn't, you'd lose so much revenue from the 52 games not being played, but maybe you'd increase your audience size on television because these games would be so meaningful that you could make it up that way. And then you get to the postseason and you go not best of seven, but you go best two out of three. And like it would increase the intensity and the drama of each game. They're never going to do that, obviously, because there's so much revenue at stake with all of these other games and there's no guarantee. I mean, college basketball, because it had all it had fewer games and the games during the regular season for years meant so much more, I think, benefited from that. But look, the NFL masks everything now. It doesn't matter what else is going on, because essentially from September through the NFL draft, the NFL owns the spotlight. Well, that, that that's what's and and this was also part of what I was saying before about 
how getting out of my NFL cocoon allowed me to sort of get back to sort of normalcy. And this weekend, it felt like that. I watched, as I said, a bunch of the uh, PGA uh, event out in, the, out in L.A. I That's did watch NBA. To watch, yeah. Yeah, I watched NBA All-Star Weekend to some degree. Um, you know, obviously, there's no baseball right now. There's no um, NFL. But, uh, you know, I, I got to watch some other some other stuff. I didn't really watch college basketball because, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> although I did see that Adam Peters and Dan Quinn were at the Georgetown Villanova game. Um the other night that was about the they went to the georgetown villanova game (laughs) yeah well i think Uh, from what i gather i think ed cooley was uh georgetown kind of reached out to say hey you know welcome to town if you guys want to come to a game so they did and they 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 talked to cooley before the game things like that um but uh it it is the that's the way it used to be you know when we were younger men like every sport had its season even things like that we don't even like like the LPGA tour i don't i know it exists but it it gets zero attention for me same yeah. thing with nascar though i think that's probably more of a me thing like these things used to be much more it, it was a more flat landscape and now it is just the nfl pushing it, it it just pushing everything out and i think it is a lot because of what you just said it's one game a week um, it that that is compelling, and uh, you know it's become a, 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 a the Super Bowl is obviously some borderline national holiday um, as, as well. So yeah, we just it's it is all that exists in so many ways. I mean, I'm have I mean, I used to at the end of an NFL season, it would be all right, focused in on college hoops through March Madness, great games, big games in February, you know, into early March, and then you got the whole month of March. But I I'm having football withdrawal definitely i mean i think this first sunday without football i mean i know we had the week between championship games and the super bowl and then to think you know we're still seven months away from the next real game i mean a little bit less than seven months football season is the ultimate there's just nothing that touches it it just it also falls into this rhythm of life for a lot of people which is the beginning of the school calendar, getting back to work off of the summer, more scheduled, more routine. Yeah. It fits into that that routine and the schedule with, you know, understanding Saturdays is college, Sundays is pro, Monday night game. And it's hard without well, it. I mean, I'm not just talking about doing, you know, content like on a radio show or on a podcast because we'll always come up with something. But there is... Um, there's definitely an interest level in sports that from September through the Super Bowl, the rest of the the, the year, it just can't touch it. Nothing touches it anymore. You know, we were yeah, talking about TV, TV, TV shows before. And like I, I've been shows the way people do, but I generally like the buildup of weekly shows the way that <laughs> HBO does it. Right. Because yeah. it gives you time to think. Like, I mean, for me, the most fun I ever had, not saying that my the best show. But the most fun I ever had as a consumer was watching Lost. I got completely into all of the what's happening, what are these, what what does this mean, what is that, all the conspiracies, whatever. But you yeah. had time for the drama to build each week because it was a weekly series. This is this is the NFL. The other sports you have to binge. You have to if in order to watch all the Wizards games or the Lakers or whatever, you have to watch a lot of content and you know in in in, in a compressed time frame. The NFL. You play the one game, the drama builds over the week, whatever it is, good or bad, and then it goes to the next one, and then it keeps going. And I think that on so, as consumers, I just think I like that better, you know, independent of um uh, of everything else. Now, obviously, in our case, 
there hasn't been as much drama or hasn't been much interest relatively speaking because of how bad this team has been and that's what's going to make right. i think this season even more interesting because of the fact that there's at least hope in the air again um you know yeah. we'll 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 see um we'll see where where, where, where it all goes um I imagine you are tired of talking about – have you run out of angles to discuss at this point? I mean, you can always discuss everything, Caleb Williams, the draft, um, Dan Quinn's staff, whatever. But, like, is, it, is this – have we reached a point where it's like, okay, now what? Well, I mean, I I think a lot of the discussion about the last month, other than GM and head coach and coordinators, I think it's really – I think the staff hirings for the majority is pretty niche stuff. But uh, the Adam Peters hire and the Dan Quinn hire in that process, and then even the OC and the DC was really kind of interesting to watch. I think the rest of it, I think people get bored with personally, I, or not everybody. There's obviously a hardcore, give me every piece of information on every assistant coach, but I don't think that's for the masses um, in the fan base. I think what will happen between now and the end of April is the the Maybe the most important thing that happens, um, but w- without question, will be the most anticipated and the most followed thing of the of the off season. I think the build up to number two overall, the build up to free agency, given how much cap space they have and how many perceived holes on the roster. So I do think, and I'm very much looking forward to the conversations about the next couple of months. And I also think, Ben, so, and I think you and I have talked about this on together on, on the radio show, I think that these are conversations that people have much more of a feel for and information on because it's about players that they've watched, you know, over and over and over again. I mean, nine out of 10 people had no idea who Adam Peters or Ian Cunningham or Alec Hallaby was before the end of December or early January. You know, most people, when it came to the assistant coaches that that were being uh, talked about, you know, they knew Ben Johnson, but they didn't even know of Mike McDonald until late in the season when the Ravens were kicking ass. Um, most people had never heard of Dave Canales. Well, most people would not, would not have, I'm sorry? No, I was going to say, forget the- I guarantee you, most people could not have named Joe Witt Jr. before Never. before before yeah. he started getting mentioned. That's when why Dan I think, yeah, that's why I think the next couple of months, it it's a bigger tent. Um, it's much more. It's many more people involved with, you know, strong opinions and more informed because they've watched. Um, and I think that makes for a better conversation. Because I, I think just the, the idea, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I'm not knocking people that did this, but I have this sense that half the people minimum, even who have a job talking about this, that got into the differences between assistant, you know, coach possibilities or assistant GM possibilities had no more idea than a bluebird you know, who would make the best candidate for, for this situation. So now we're getting into it, uh, uh, the, the point of year where everybody thinks they're an expert, which is the best for my kind of content when you can, <laughs> you know, have people on, including all of us, that I watched Jaden Daniels, I watched Drake May, or, 
Mike Evans is, you know, should should be a guy, or Josh, you know, Allen should be a guy we go after, not the quarterback, the pass rusher. I mean, these are games and hours upon hours of investment into having an opinion on these players. It's just different. Yeah, and by the way, in terms of the draft, like the quarterbacks always kind of stand out, but like because fans have watched college football and have seen these guys come through year after year, they, people will know. I mean, I'm not saying I will until I dig in where people will know that the safety on Virginia, they like better than the safety from Oklahoma State. And like yeah. can say and like whereas like in the NBA at this point, I couldn't even name the five people who are going to be on the All-American team. But <laughs> because it because it, the, yeah. the, it, it but, changes, changes out so much. Yeah, I do think, though, that when we get into the, that conversation that you just said, it's a, it's people have opinions, but. It's so, it's so lax depth. And the reason for that is we don't know anything about these people as people. Number two is we don't know, especially with a new staff, we don't know whether or not they fit into what the new staff is looking for and what we'll be scheming for. Um, so it's, it, we won't know anything for sure until they start playing games and probably a couple of years worth of games, but it doesn't. Um, but yeah, the, at least these are p- names that people know and have watched. Um, speaking of the staff, I don't know if you saw, I, I don't know if we talked about this when I was on your show on Friday or if you saw my tweet the other day, but there's a very interesting aspect of this staff that's rare in these parts. It's different than the Schottenheimer era, the Spurrier, Gibbs 2.0. Shanahan, Gruden, Callahan, or not Callahan, Gruden and Rivera. And that is there's only one person on the staff with the name Quinn. There's no, there's no nepotism hires that I'm, that I see. There's no, there's none, there's none of that. There's no extra Quinns. There's no extra Peters. There's no extra, you know, uh, Wits or, or Kingsbury's. Well, he, in part because he's the youngest coach that we've hired, not Gruden, not Jay. Well, what, what what other Gruden was on the staff? Uh, there was a Deuce Gruden, right? Wasn't he the, uh, the, the there was a there was a strength coach? Okay, I mean it was Jay. It was, I think it was John's kid, but it was a family. Uh, oh, okay, I didn't know that. I was going to say Rivera and Del Rio had sons that were old enough to coach. Obviously, Mike had you know, and Joe had at the time sons that were young enough to be a part of or old enough to be a part of it um well, i don't even know I, I don't even know if dan quinn i'm not even positive i talked about my head to, you know I, yeah i don't know the age of i mean he's 53 yeah. he easily could have a 30 year old yeah. or 20 something but like i, I don't even right. know if he has son i'm just saying it is i find that interesting that there's none of that yeah i mean peter's but only just, has young, man, young let me just mention this though because it would be totally revisionist for me it never bothered me like Marty Schottenheimer brought in, you know, his brother. Yeah. Who um, was a legit coach. Yeah. Legit coach. Mike brought in Kyle who had made, who had made Matt Schaub into like a top 10 quarterback there yeah. for a couple of seasons. Um, you know, Ron Rivera basically added Del Rio's son and his son, but as you know, quality assistant, you know, the entry level intern near positions. Sure. None of that ever really bothered me that much. Um, it, 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 doesn't bother me in a certain sense. I mean, like if you own, if you own, you know, Sheehan's a hardware store and you know, you want your kid to 
you know, possibly take over one day. You're going to bring your kid in. You're going to give them some jobs and uh, you see what happens. And this is some of that, except for the fact that it's not their business. It's our, it's basically our business, the kids, you know, the consumer's business. Um, I think that's why it's bothersome. I don't know if it means anything. I just noting that it is rare that this is a, that this is a different deal uh, than it was before. Um, The the rest of it, I don't know. I remember, I I see people who were, uh, my favorite comment I saw on Twitter about the staff and like, including people who, who were, who stayed, somebody said that they're really glad they kept Shane Taub with the quality, offensive quality control coach. They really like him. It's like, <laughs> uh, I was like, what? I don't even, I, yeah. come on. All right. Um, I mean, well, I mean, we, I think that some of that stuff comes from the not real world of Twitter and X and, you know, whenever, like I usually spend time on it about an hour or two hours before my radio show every day, because there's usually something there that creates an idea for a segment or some content. But if I spent like, it's just, it's so dumb most of the time and so ill-informed, like how many people are out there in our fan base, let's just take our little sliver of the you know NFL universe that have somehow made themselves in their own minds on Twitter into experts. I bet some of those were the people that said, "How could I mean? Thank God they kept Shane what, what, Taub. Yeah, thank God they kept him." And then somebody that might be reading them is like, "Hey, uh, great job keeping Shane Taub. Had no idea." But that's the world we live in now. I mean, I, it's, um, I don't know. Some of it's so uh, performative, I guess, on some level. Well, this is the thing. I, I always say this about sports, and this is, I, I'm sure you deal with this uh, more than even I do. But, like, you know, if you have a conversation at a dinner party with somebody who's a dentist, right, I presume you're not going to say to him, you know what? I was checking out the, the recent medical journals and, the, you know, the, the, this, this new procedure that they're doing to get to deal with the bicuspids or whatever. You know, I think that's a pretty good way to go. Nobody's saying that. No, nobody's meeting a lawyer and going, you know what? I really was impressed with the Supreme Court's decision on, you know, she, you know, Sheehan versus Levero and how they specified. We're not doing that. But when it comes to sports, all you have to say is, oh, I think the commanders are going to beat the Cowboys. And like the, like you, 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 you can make an opinion off of knowing nothing because it's typically a win or lose. Yeah, but Ben, thank God for that, or or we wouldn't have a business. Like I so before I got into broadcasting, I you know, I was in I you know, I've told you this before, I was in four different tech startups, early stage companies. And I can remember thinking, you know, with people that would come in and say, no, you know, and try to kind of tell you about your business when they had no idea about your business. And now I'm in a business where I literally comment on the job that actual experts are doing. It's so ridiculous, but they're lucky that there's that much conversation about it and that much interest in it. It's why they have this big platform, why they make so much money is because they're fans and they're, they're paying fans and the fans want more and media wants more. It's, it's, but yeah, well, people- uh, specific to the Shane Taub thing, I think there's just a point that people get to where it's like, okay, you don't have to go that far. Like, 
we can sit here and we can act like we are just so pissed that they went for a fourth and one instead of, or punted on fourth and one instead of going for it and have a real strong feeling. That's all that's been part of sports and rooting for sports since the beginning of time. But now we're into, you know, Shane Taub, the quality assistant. Thank God they kept him. I don't know. Maybe the person that said it actually knows something about him. But more times than not, they don't. I mean, it's like, you know, to that point, it's okay to say you don't know occasionally. He he is the son of the Kansas City Chiefs special teams coordinator. So I guess possibly somebody views it as, oh, the special teams coordinator is pretty good. Let's uh, hope this apple didn't fall too far from the tree or who knows. Yeah. Um, All right. Before I let you go, because I've kept you too long, uh, although, you know, you, you like you like a good long interview. Um, well, uh, some actual football. You mentioned free agency. It is starting to be that time where we need to get into that. Uh, franchise tags uh, are, are open uh, this weekend. I don't think Washington's involved this year. That said, they, they have a ton of free agents. There are guys that you would put in the, you know, hey, these are starters, the Cam Curls, the Curtis Samuels, the Kendall Fullers. And then there's like the depth guys, the James Smith Williams, the Cornelius Lucas, Jeremy Reeves guys like that whatever it is for you what's the who's the one or two guys that you're like look whether the price is high or whether the price is low like you know whether they're a starter or a guy or or, or a bench guy who are the couple guys that you're like look i really hope that the commanders find a way to keep these guys oh so you're, t- you're talking about their own players yeah their own free agents i was talking the other day about just the possibility that this group came in and views the roster differently than all of us do off of this foreign 13 horrific campaign because we are a bit influenced by one of the worst seasons in franchise history that we've ever watched and it's very possible that dan quinn and adam peters and everybody are like you got some pieces here you know they just need to be coached better they need to be in a in an environment that has just better vibe i mean you had a lame duck head coach basically and the season got away from uh, everybody, but you know what? Jamin Davis has some talent or Cam Curl. Actually, the year that you guys saw in 2022 is was not, you know, an aberration. This guy can play in Forrest before he got hurt. He can play. Quan Martin, I mean, this is exactly the kind of guy that plays for Dan Quinn and, and, and that Adam Peters looked for in San Francisco. I guess my point being, I bet you there are more players that they like then at the end of the season, most fans would say are guys that have to come back. First of all, you can't replace a whole roster. So a lot of these guys are coming back. But in terms of their free agents and bringing somebody back, I don't know that there's anybody that has to come back um, uh, if there are better options in the draft. Like I was thinking about Curtis Samuel and how he would fit into a Cliff Kingsbury system. But I bet you that there are a half dozen guys from rounds three through five that they'll find that are, you know, on a rookie, you know, mid round pick pay scale that are dynamic in space and can be used as a receiver runner because it's the way college football's played. Um, And it seems like every year there's somebody like that, like three or four of those guys coming into the league. Um, I don't know. Do you have somebody that you think is absolute must resign? Jacoby Brissett. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he's an interesting one because I think whether you pursued him or someone like that would potentially say a lot about what their plans are. Because that's the thing is like everybody's acting and I'll answer the question, but like, everybody's acting like 
you know, anybody who's hearing a report that suggests that the, the commanders have want to do X, Y, or Z, whether it's with Caleb Williams or anything else, you should ignore that person for the rest of your life. There's no chance that they have a plan yet. They just got here together 10 seconds ago. They got to figure out who's on the roster. Also, we don't even know definitively. Are they trying to win this year or are they like willing to sort of take the slower path? I know the NFL, you can turn around quickly, but you know, who's to say people point to the Houston Texans because of what they did last year, getting CJ Stroud and then making the playoffs, but they were building for several years before that they added other pieces and made changes with you know, Nick Casario had been there for a few years is, you know, we, we don't even know what their plans are. So anyway, um, but in terms of the idea of who, uh, who I'd bring back, I, I guess I don't have anybody specifically that they have to. I think for me, it's more of the depth guys, though, than it is the starters. Like, I, I think Cornelius Lucas has been a very valuable player. And if you're going to draft a rookie tackle to replace Charles Leno, should he get salary cap uh, cut? I think having a guy like Lucas around would be similar to having a guy like Brissett around, right? You have somebody to go, should that player not be ready, or you don't want to want to rush him. I think that... Um, James Smith Williams, you know, he was the starting defensive end on a defense that was a top 10 yeah. defense. Now, he wasn't the driving force, obviously, but he did his job, thus allowing those other sweat, Allen, and Payne to do their jobs. And right now, they have, I don't know who is their defensive ends as, you know, the season starts today. KJ Henry, I mean, looks interesting, yeah, I mean, but Henry Jones Jr. are the ones that are under contract. Right. So, like, I, to me, it's like, two I, hill, two hills a free agent, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, Elbada unfortunately is hurt, but also right. um, a free agent. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think guys like that. And then like Jeremy Reeves, you know, he's obviously just a, a very popular figure for the fans, for the locker room. Really, you know, good on special teams. They'll love that, Hudson. They'll love Hudson. He he was the one guy when when in hearing how Dan Quinn and Joe Witt Jr. described. Yeah. And maybe we talked about this. I think we did actually. Yeah. But how he they described the type of defense they want, and you know, whatever yeah. they, they, they want everybody to hit hard and be aggressive, but. Hudson was the one guy. He he was like fifth in the team in tackles and only started the last eight games. Right, right. Um, he he was definitely around there. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I think Cam Curl is going to be an incredibly fascinating topic. Um, obviously the fans here think he's great. I've seen a lot of the lists who think you know the rankings of free agents have him somewhere in the top fifty or so. Um, I'm gonna talk to Randy Muir this week on the podcast, so don't steal him from me. Um, are he's you know a former NFL GM who, who works for the Athletic now. He just put out today his top 150 list. You know where Cam Curl ranks? Where? I have no idea. He's not on the list, and I checked. Yeah. It's not an oversight. Top right. 150. Now, obviously, that seems extreme, but he is the G- everybody else who's doing these lists, like you said before, or like you and me. And he's a former GM, and he <laughs> he didn't put him on the list. I'm going to ask him why that's the case. Um, but I think like the top, the main guys like him and Samuel and Fuller, if you can keep for the right price, I guess. But like, I think there's for where this team is, I think you probably have to let all those guys go. Yeah. I mean, you can't like they're not, there's no expansion draft here. So there are going to be a lot of players that were on the roster last year that are going to be on the roster this year. Um, and a lot of them are going to start too. Um, but they do have an opportunity that you don't have very often, which is top cap space, a lot of free agents that actually fill some of the perceived holes. I would definitely say pass rusher in particular um, with guys like Burns and Allen and Daniel Hunter, et cetera. Um, So, yeah. And then, you know, we got to understand what they're going to do scheme wise and the kinds of 
I, the, the, the big tell, not even a tell, they told us. And that is we're looking for the kinds of players that you see play in San Francisco specifically. The guys that don't get tackled very easy, like Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. Like they're looking for tough physical finishing competitors. So that should be a guide when when we get into free agency in the draft for sure. Yeah. By the way, I didn't mention uh earlier you said like that the new staff might see more on the roster than we saw after the four and thirteen year. And I think a lot of us were high on the on the roster, at least in the yeah, relative to what we had seen here before, and then it just fell apart. I, I I swear I think this is true, but I'm looking online and I can't find it. I thought I saw that ESPN did a, uh, you know, looking ahead to 2024, like who's gonna, you know, what teams are gonna go up or go down or breakout players. And I swear I thought I saw that Lewis Riddick had his breakout player was gonna be Forbes. Uh, uh Mike Tannenbaum. Had oh, Mike Tan. Okay, Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah. Okay, and and like that's the type of guy that I'm like. That, that's partly why I think like you can maybe let Cam Curl go because between Forbes, Juan Martin, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, St. Juice, even can this staff get more out of them than we saw the last staff do? And if they, if they yeah, think that's they can't talking about, I think they're, they, I think they'll look at some of these players that just a year ago we thought were pretty good. And they're going to look at the circumstance of the season. They're going to look at the coaching, the changes in coaching during the year. And I think they're going to think more highly of like, you know, a Forbes or even a, you know, a curl or um, yeah. I, I just think that there will be, you know, a, a Lucas, like you said, like Wiley and Gates fit kind of that competitive thing that they want, but Gates was pretty bad. Um, the advanced numbers on Wiley weren't the worst. So he's under contract. I'm curious as to what they'll think of him. Um, well, I think Wiley Cosby, and Gates are both. They'll love Cosby. Yeah, I think Wiley and Gates are probably both likely to stay. Just looking at the cap numbers, there's just they don't get much relief by releasing them, and you know they have to have somebody. Uh, and Wiley, like you know, if Wiley was the weakest link on the Super Bowl team, right? It's not like you can't win with him. It's just that in the scenario they were in last year, they just didn't have any strength anywhere. The Chiefs had multiple Pro Bowlers on that line. Washington obviously um, did not. All right, uh, look, I could keep talking all day. You've got things to do. Uh, obviously, right. I love doing this with you. Do I even? I mean, do I, like I, I, I say this, and I'm saying this at the end, but I say this sincerely. I have way more people who know me because of I meet up my appearances on your show than anything I do. When I went to that 980 and 1067 <laughs> event that you uh, that you guys all did, and I sat in the, uh, I was in the crowd watching, and I at one point moved over to like an aisle just to sort of stand, and people kept coming up to me and saying, "Hey, you know." Love it when you go on with Kevin, this, that, and the other. So I don't think I even have to promote the fact that you have a radio show and a podcast. Like everybody knows. I mean, oh, stop it! I'm stop serious. It. That, that 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 was that was a fun night, and there were you know a lot of 980 fans there, which was awesome. That was we hadn't done that in so long. Which yeah, was great. Well, I enjoyed watching that to see which of you spoke up the most and which of you kind of retreated and just said, sort of, you know what, I'm going to let the latter voices talk because in a room of 12 dudes who all talk and have loud voices. Got a little sideways there at times. <laughs> uh, um, God, I'm looking. Cam Curls is not, you're right. He's not anywhere on the top 150 for Randy Mueller. Yeah. God, I, I, you know what? I may get him on the show this week. No, um, no, wait, no, no. <laughs> no, no. He's week. actually a great guest. I mean, I've had him on, like you've had him on. He's, he works at The Athletic with you, but um, he is a good guest. 
No, he and, I, and uh, I generally like his thoughts, and I'm not. I, I'm just curious to see because, like, I have wondered this whole time where are we at. Like, how do I say this? Like, uh, I, I I like like for example, like D Hall. I I like D Hall the person. Oh, he's always been cool with me, and he was obviously a really good player here. But to the degree that he was like godded up at times because there was nothing else here, that it became like, wow, D'Angelo Hall's great. I'm like, well, okay, he's good, but he's not great. I kind of think the same thing with the roster because Cam Curl was on a team that was just largely yeah. terrible players, and then he was a seventh round pick and all that. Like, it was, like people acted like he was all that. You know, he basically generated almost no turnovers the last three years, which is a huge problem. Look, um, I, I I keep and I've been saying since they drafted him, I've been the biggest Duran Pan Duran Payne fan, and even when he was you know inconsistent, I'm like no, but his ceiling is so high. When he has those moments, like John Allen's not capable of producing some of those moments if they can get the best out of him. And then they did. And like, I, I don't want to see them move on from these two tackles because, I mean, we didn't see a Chris Jones like performance at any point this season from either one of them. But like, I think Payne's capable of that. Can Quinn get that out of Payne consistently? Um, maybe. And he's under contract. Like, there are some guys next year I'm looking forward to seeing if we end up looking back and saying, well, you know, the reason they were great this year is because they actually had some really solid coaching and scheming and the whole thing. And not to mention all the other shit that was going on at the same time um, I do, for I, five years. I said before, we have no real idea what the organization's plan is in terms of how quickly they want to try to turn this thing around. I think the John Allen situation is sort of the uh, I don't know if canary in the coal mine is the right uh, analogy, but like he's going to want a new deal. Uh, and uh, if they give him one, they're giving it to a guy who's, you know, getting closer to 30, who's now played a bunch of years, who was you know a bit hurt last year, I guess. Do they? And, and if they're not, if they don't think this team is ready to go, especially with like a rookie quarterback, why are you paying a guy all that money for the next couple of years when you're not ready to contend? You'd be better off trading him, right? right. And getting picks and then going that way. On the other hand, he's obviously a very good player. That's the strength of your defense. So if you want to, you know, get this thing going, that's why would you break that up? I, I do think so. Then you therefore would probably have to pay him. I mean, he's under contract, but I think that's going to be a discussion. So uh, I think that's going to be a very interesting, uh, thing to look at all right uh you can get more of kevin uh i don't want to put this up probably tonight but you can get more of kevin obviously uh monday to friday 10 to 1 on the team 980 and of course the great kevin sheehan show podcast which is it is one of the uh, highest rated uh podcasts in the country forget local like it's basically like joe rogan bill simmons and kevin sheehan i'm okay. not even like yeah. i'm not even exaggerating yeah. too much thank you that now that is a great pitch I'm going to hire you to be my publicist because you lie well. Hey, man. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, my guy, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I, are we talking tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, okay. What's tomorrow? Tuesday. Tuesday. Radio? Maybe. Maybe not. I'll let you know. Wow. Maybe not. Right. Uh, so I, Denton, Denton keeps sending me all these guests that are booked for tomorrow, and I had booked a bunch of guests. We are not communicating well right now, so I got to get in touch with them. I'll let all right. you know. All right. Well, uh, you get, you guys uh, work that out. We need you, uh, you know. We need you guys on the same page here going down the stretch. <laughs> He's the best. All, All right. right. Thanks for All having right. me as always. Yeah, man. All right. See you, man.
All right. Uh, big thanks to Kevin Sheehan for his time. Appreciate everyone here checking out my podcast as well as my, my appearances on with Kevin Sheehan uh, on the radio and his podcast. Uh, reminder, next week is Combine Week, so we'll get more into that this week before I head out to Indy for sure. But that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.